On today's episode of Her Wild Outdoors, Teresa Diggins joins me for a conversation on a couple different things on how she grew up in the guiding world and how she moved from Wisconsin to Montana, how the hunting has changed over that time. We talk a little bit about photography, about the upcoming season, and I just hope you enjoy it. I enjoyed it immensely, and thank you, Teresa. All right, everybody, thank you for joining me for another Her Wild Outdoors episode. I'm honored to have Teresa Diggins with me today, and we're going to have a conversation um, that I'm excited about. I've been interested to know who you are and your story and just following along and your responses to me over social media. I've just I've been excited about this conversation. So thank you. Well, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you and hang out for an hour. I know. I think that's the best part. I think that by the end of conversations that I have with people on the phone and on Zoom and on these podcasts, it's kind of like, okay, we're buds now. <laughs> if you're ever in Tennessee, you got a room here. And, um, and it's just fun to kind of get to the heart of who somebody is anyway for me. I do better one-on-one rather than in big groups. And so this is just like my jam. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay. Give me and the rest of us, give us just kind of a little bit of a who you are, what your day job is, what your, like how, um, how have you gotten to where you are today? Okay, so I grew up in northern Wisconsin on a farm and ranch. Um, I did grow up in the hunting industry as my dad owns a hunting lodge and is an, a hunting guide. Okay. Um, we mainly guide for white-tailed deer, black bear, and um, rough grouse and woodcock. Very cool. So I grew up there. I went to college in Minnesota got two degrees and then I moved out here to Montana and I am currently here in Billings. Um, I am a photographer. I also work for a contractor. We do a bunch of remodels on houses. Uh, we also do a bunch of painting as well. Um, I also work My boyfriend owns an ice business here in town, and so I help him with that as well. You're a bit Um, of a jack of all trades. (laughs) I kind of am. I do a lot of different things, and there's a million other things I don't even, people don't even know about. (laughs) Well, I was looking because part of my job is to be Snoopy. Um, I was looking, and you also you're a massage therapist in the equestrian world. Yes, I do massage horses. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, There's pros and cons to it. Yeah. I mean, but that's with any job. Mm -hmm. How many times have you been kicked? um, None yet. That's pretty pretty great track record. (laughs) I'm, I'm pretty good at reading horses. Yeah. I grew up with horses and like between hunting and horses, that's like, those are like my top two passions along mm-hmm. with photography. So we have seven, currently seven horses. Um, 
and we used them for packing into the mountains or ranch work or I used to barrel race a while yeah. back, but I kind of slowed down with that um, as some of my horses, good barrel horses got older and um, retired them. And now I'm kind of starting a couple young ones. And um, lately I haven't had the time or money to run barrels. So I've just been ranch work and then we haul them up to the mountains. Yeah. We've, my nieces ride and they've got horses and I grew up around them, not having them, but around them. And, um, I have never been kicked. My mom Mm -hmm. has, she, she grew up riding. She had her own horse in, they traveled all over because my grandfather was with the forestry. And I remember her telling me, about one of the times she got kicked and she said it was my own fault. I wasn't paying attention. It had nothing to do with the horse or the anything like that. But, um, she said it knocked (laughs) the wind out of her. Uh, she said I couldn't breathe for a really long time. Um, Uh but it didn't sway her in any form or fashion from her love for being around them. I remember stories of her bareback riding out to the pond and, you know, swimming with the horse and sunbathing with like, it was just, there was a lot of uh, respect for um, the animal itself, Mm -hmm. but uh, also for that relationship. So they weren't work horses by any means, but I didn't grow up fearing them. And I feel, I feel like there are a lot of people who do um, just because of yep. how big they are. And if you don't know how to read one, the fear of, of getting hurt. So, um, oh yeah, it's a, it's, it's not one that you, you bolt up to, you kind of tiptoe around <laughs> and read them first. <laughs> but, uh-huh. uh, but we, my, my sister-in-law and my nieces, they have regularly used um, a massage therapist for their horses for therapy and all of that. So when I read that about you, it like all of my all of my red flags are like, this is a cool person just because yeah. there's that connection and that um, respect for that part of that community. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And you went to school for that. What were your degrees in? Um, I went to college for equine science mm-hmm. and then egg business. Gotcha. And then, so then the equine massage came later. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a school for that. It was, I don't know, a couple of weeks long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but totally cool. fun and like just even more eye-opening. I mean, I've had so much horse experience working at between a racetrack and different ranches and starting colts and all that stuff. But it's like, it's like I wanted to do more. So that's where I went into equine massage because I love helping horses out mm-hmm. and um, just helping them feel better. Yeah. Well, then how I did mean, how did photography jump into it? Uh, photography I've been doing kind of most of my life. Uh, when I was younger, I mean, I used to have a 35 millimeter camera mm-hmm. with the film that you had to develop. Oh, and yeah. 
<laughs> I don't think my mom liked me too much because all the money that they spent on developing <laughs> film. <laughs> yes. It used to be cheaper though than it is now. Yes. Yeah. Um, so then once the digital world came out and I mean, I had millions and millions of pictures and I don't know, I started doing it kind of professionally about 10 years ago. Okay. And it's kind of taken off from there. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping one day I can do it full time because it's, I don't know, I love it. It's one of my passions and, you you know, working for yourself, you can pick your own work schedule and I can work around my hunting schedule and all that stuff. Yeah, it works out. I think I started... Like you, I I had an old 35 millimeter Nikon back, oh, high school and college. And really up until about 2007, I, Mm -hmm. I shot film and then switched over in 2008 to digital and it blew my world, right? (laughs) It's like, it's a huge difference. And I think so. It's a little bit twofold for me. There was shooting with film. You had to be so precise with what you were shooting because it's not like you could just delete and yep. and keep going. And so getting into the digital world, it I think I was a little lazy in the beginning of it, right? <laughs> I, I think that I just kind of shot thinking, oh, I can just delete it. And yep. And as I've gone on, um, this 12 years now shooting digital, I think that I have more respect for not just grabbing and shooting because mm-hmm. I want less post work. <laughs> I, want, yeah, right? <laughs> I, I, want, I want it to be um, a little bit more precise again. And I love the science behind manual shooting and being able to know exactly how I'm shooting, when I'm shooting with the light, even though it's changing and the scenery and everything. But um, you do some things that I don't do. I'm more uh, family, um, newborn. I don't do weddings. I have yep. dabbled a little bit with landscape and um, and the outdoor world, but I have not really jumped into that yet. And Honestly, my season this year with photography kind of got a kick in the pants with COVID. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, really a kick in the pants. So it'll be a rebuilding year for my business for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But you take beautiful photos. I was I was checking that out and I love the light. I love the uh, the perspective. I think that you can. With each photographer, when you notice how they shoot, it's a different perspective. And I think that that's where the art of it comes in. Yes. Yeah. I, I like capturing things like basically telling the whole story, whether yes. I'm um, photographing a hunt or a family uh-huh. or seniors, or whatever. I like capturing their lifestyle and who they are. And in like different angles that most people wouldn't even, I don't know, think of or just like the little things. And then when I'm photographing hunts and stuff, I like doing it the whole process, like Mm -hmm. from start to finish, not just, you know, your quote unquote 
trophy picture right. of your kill. But I love, you know, the sweat from packing out your meat. That's, you know, you have 80 pounds of meat on your back and the wear and tear it does on you or putting the stock in or setting up camp or the weather elements, mm-hmm. um, how that's affecting everything. So I just love capturing it all. Yeah. I think that that's, um, you know, portrait sessions are my bread and butter for bills and for extra things here and there. But mm-hmm. like you being able to just hang out and tell a story, um, like you said, whether it's with a family or an individual or whatever it is, being able to have a beginning, a middle, and an end to that photo session, it it takes it outside of just showing, I don't know, it's kind of like the social media world, right? It's like showing the good, yes. like only the good, <laughs> only the sparkly in uh-huh. photos. And it kind of takes that back, not in a negative way, but it takes it out into more of a realistic um purpose behind that photo session. And so whether you're going on a weekend adventure with somebody and taking pictures for the whole weekend, or it's a one hour hangout, I'd rather go on a hike or do something or go hang out with you in your house and take real photos versus just the, the stop and smile portraits. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've worked on a few different ranches and stuff and everyone always like, why do you keep taking pictures? But then at the end of the mm-hmm. day, when I create, um, I worked on this ranch, I don't know, a handful of years and it was always taking pictures. And like, I'd always take, if I'm in the combine, you know, combining wheat or lentils or peas, it was like, I always had my camera with me because yeah. you never know what kind of sunset you're going to have that night mm-hmm. or um, just harvest pictures or if you're during calving season, um, carrying calves in to get out of the snowstorm, you know, pictures like that. And then I had this last ranch I worked at, um, I made them a big photo book at the end. Yeah. It's kind of like a thank you and to show them, this is your place. This mm-hmm. is what I captured. And mm-hmm. like, they were so in love with it. They wanted more books. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. Because you don't um, get that when you are working something so hard. Normally, the only uh, reward out of it is that end result of the harvest or yeah. the end result of a hunt or mm-hmm. something like that. And to have photographic proof of the hard work along the way, it's priceless. Yes. Yeah. And they don't realize then they were like making fun of me for taking all these pictures <laughs> all the time. And then in the end, they just like absolutely love them. Yeah. It's like, see you guys. <laughs> uh-huh. 100%. And there's value in it then because it's – it wasn't like they hired you to do that. And there's yeah. value in the hiring of it, of, of for sure. But somebody seeing an end result of something like that without purposely doing yeah. it. Yeah, there's just, there's value in it, whatever it comes of it. But yeah, that's pretty cool. What do you shoot? Um, 
for Acqu- a camera? Yes. Um, I ha- currently have uh, two Nikons. One's a D7200 and mm-hmm. then my backup, which was my first Nikon I ever got. It was a D90. Um, I don't shoot with that too much anymore. I use it just as a backup in case something happens to my yeah. 7200. But I'd like to upgrade. Um, there's a huge rage about these mirrorless cameras. I have. I, and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like the Sony ones. Yes. I'm totally digging them, but good Lord, they're expensive. They really are. I had um, Jeremy Cowart. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's a good mm-hmm. friend of mine. And he's, I mean, he's done photography of Hollywood stars, of politicians of the president like he's done all of these things but he also goes to Haiti when the earthquake happens and records people's stories and Uh uh, he he truly is a a storyteller but he has raved about mirrorless he has raved about Sony and I'm like what Sony are you for real Sony I'm a Canon girl I was Nikon with film and then switched over to Canon I shoot a um a 5D and Mark II and it is a workhorse like it's my Mm -hmm. I had um what did I I started man I started with one of the old rebels like just mm-hmm. the first one that had come out and and loved it and then graduated up. But I've heard a ton of great things about mirrorless cameras. Yeah, so have I. It'll be interesting. But like you said, it's so expensive um, to upgrade your equipment like that. Yes. But I also don't think – I mean, you could spend tens, twenties, $50,000 on camera stuff. But to me, it's not the camera nope. that makes the picture. Mm-mm. It's all about your lighting, your angle, your your perspective, in my opinion. I agree. And I mean, look at what I can do with these little cell phone cameras. I could take awesome pictures. And most people don't even think, oh, my God, did you take that with your your big camera? I'm like, no, nope, nope. just a cell phone picture. It's all about your angles and everything and then how you edit the picture. Mm-hmm. I mean... You can you can have a cheap little chintzy camera and still take beautiful pictures. It's true. And honestly, if you're going out into the field, are you going to want to take a camera body that is so expensive and so heavy and so no, you, you there's no way um I don't know. And that, I guess that's what insurance is for, but I'm not going to take yeah. my great big huge camera out um on something like that. And so you really do have to know what you're doing. You have to know how to use your um, your equipment, not necessarily mm-hmm. what equipment it is, but you have to know how to use it. And you can do a whole lot of fancy things with something not very fancy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because like when, when we're packed into the back country and I'm shooting a hunt or something, it's like... I already have all of my gear mm-hmm. in my pack on top of adding your camera gear, which is super heavy. heavy. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's just like, oh my God. So you try to downsize as much as you can to, and like have lenses that are like a wider range mm-hmm. so that you can capture different things. But yeah, a lot of times I try not to, well, 
it depends on the hunt and right. the weather that we're going to have. And if, if I'm hunting too and shooting a <laughs> hunt, it's like, then that's even worse. So I try to pack lighter because I have all my gear, whether it's my bow or my gun. And then, I mean, all your other necessities. Yeah. You're but, like, what is necessary here? What yep. do I really need? I really need food. I really need water. Mm-hmm. I really like you have to, you have to pick the essentials for trips like that. Um, yes. Well, I want to take it back just a little bit and I want to take it back to when you were growing up. And mm-hmm. because I want to hear a little bit more about your first experiences I know that you said you grew up observing other people because of your dad and that kind of thing, but how did you come into the hunting world and what was like, what was your first hunt? Um, so yeah, I grew up in a hunting lodge Mm -hmm. and come September, end of August, it was, nothing you eat sleep and breathe hunting (laughs) yeah and taking care of all the clients and everything because I mean they stayed at our lodge and then we would cook them home-cooked meals Mm -hmm. and all that stuff so it was just natural I mean it was just something you did (laughs) yeah I didn't know any different um so when it came to hunting I just felt like I grew up with three brothers also. I was the only girl. Um, I was just like expected to hunt. Right. And from the time we were little, we were making our own little bows. We were um, shooting BB guns, shooting 22s until we could hunt. And then um, we, I think my first hunt, deer hunt, my brother came with me and of course, northern Wisconsin, you're either sitting in a stand or a ground blind, right? something like that. And um, <laughs> the first year I shot was, it was a fawn. It was like the last day of season. Um, I think last day of season, it was like within the last few minutes of light. And I had a doe and fawn come in and I don't think my brother wanted me to shoot the doe he's like shoot the fawn if you want (laughs) and I was using my mom's marlin 3030 open sights Mm -hmm. and um of course everything is almost open sights in northern Wisconsin because you're not shooting everything's under practically 50 yards 100 yards very most and um one shot, I dropped him, and by the time we got down to him and gutted him out, it was dark, and then to drag him back out, but it was super exciting. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> no, I no, I hear it. So the first time taking our kids out hunting, I kept going, please don't get anything big. Please don't get anything big. Please don't get anything big. Not because yes. I didn't want them to shoot something big, but I didn't want them to have that expectation if I shoot something big on the first time, where do you go from there? And Mm -hmm. I did want them to focus more on that kill, on that uh, 
the process of taking it from a shot to the table instead of antlers. And so that was my biggest prayer. Please don't let anything be big. please. And it was, you know, one of them got a button buck and one got a doe. And I just thought that that was perfect to start with because they had seen antlers. They've seen people get huge, massive mm-hmm. racks deer and I I really wanted them to focus more on the process of it versus that limelight of it if that makes sense yes yeah no I totally understand yeah so I'm I'm glad that you got that on your first one (laughs) it's good eating (laughs) oh absolutely and then it was just like slowly working my way up from there yeah I mean I have passed up several books in my day because one I was either so frozen I couldn't feel my fingers Mm -hmm. and I was shaking so bad that I couldn't even pull the trigger yeah (laughs) it happens oh yeah a little buck fever but my gosh I mean that happens that happens to everyone yeah I agree. I watching my daughter hunt Kansas this year we were with two other people and (laughs) They were laughing so hard because she wasn't shaking, right? She's going after this Mm -hmm. doe for, it was like 20 minutes. She was waiting for the perfect shot. And I'm over there shaking like a leaf because I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) I had the buck fever. Um, Even though we were just hunting does, it started with my hands and my knees. And then all of a sudden, Uh my whole body is shaking. I would not have been able to take a shot, even if I was supposed to. (laughs) There is no way. (laughs) That reminds me of a time, my first mule deer I shot out here in Montana. Um, You grew up hunting whitetails and you switched to mule deer. It's like a whole different ball game. And when, when this buck we had spotted him and stalked him and we got close and he was like up on top of this ridge above us, just overlooking us. And I just pictured the scene from Bambi, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I looked over at my brother cause he was with me at the time and he's like shaking so bad and you can hear his heart about to pump out of his chest. And I'm like, why are you shaking? I'm the one who has to shoot him. <laughs> That's hilarious. It happens, though. And I guess that shows, I mean, my heart was 100% into that hunt, even though I knew, like, I didn't have a tag. I didn't have a license for Kansas. I was there just for her. And Uh it shows your passion. It shows um, your excitement. I mean, I can be in early season uh, and only see a fawn come in, no, I'm not going to shoot it and still get the shakes. And I, man, it just, it, um, just seeing what we're hunting out there gets me excited. Even if there's no shot, even if there's no, like, I'm just out there observing, I still get excited. And I think that that makes hunting for me, um, such a joyful thing. It, it, I'm always, I don't know. It, it's the excitement and the adrenaline and the, even if I'm not taking a shot. Yes. Yeah. Wait until you have an, a bull elk come in oh my at gosh. 15 yards. 
and you can't even shoot because there's so much brush and uh-uh. he's screaming. <laughs> oh, see, that's why I've always said I think I need to go on an elk hunt where I am not hunting first. And yes. I, I, I've always said that. I've all, if anybody has a trip that they're going on, I'd love to come just to be a participant um, and an observer because that would 100% happen to me. <laughs> I would lose my crap the first time I heard one bugle and there would be no way I could take a shot. And it would probably continue to happen, but um, – I would yep. love to observe first. And we did that with our kids. We said, hey, before you harvest a deer, we want you yes. to observe a, a, a harvest We would, from beginning to end. And, uh, and I'm glad that we did it that way because I think that they had more uh, of an expectation of what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that they were able to control a little bit more knowing what process was about to happen. And I wouldn't have done it any any other way having kids coming into the hunting community. It, it's, hey, go through hunter safety, get your hunting license. Um, they had been on so many hunts with us before, but it was you have to see something first. You have yep. to see that process first. And so that's why I say that. I would love to go on an elk hunt as an observer first. Um, You're more than welcome to come out here and come with us and tag yes. along. Yes, I'll bring my <laughs> camera. Um, okay. it, it, it's just exciting. I mean, we, I think the first time I heard an elk bugle was at a full draw. Um, Maybe. Film tour? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And we sat there the whole night. I, it was just me and my kids, and we're sitting there. And the first time I heard the elk bugle on film, like not even in real mm-hmm. life, chills all over my body. Oh, I think yeah. my face, my mouth was wide open, like, holy crap, what am I watching? And from that point on, every time, I have something come over Instagram or a video or anything, and it's an elk bugling. My kids stop whatever they're doing. <laughs> it's an elk. It's an elk. What is it? What are you watching? And so it's it's a totally different experience that I can't wait to be a part of. But yeah, I that would be a treat to see in person. Yes, it's it's so addicting that it's once you hear it. It never leaves your body. Like uh-huh. you want more and more and more of it. <laughs> and actually, Montana. A lot of people say Colorado, Colorado, Colorado. Montana has been my um, where I want. Like if I had a dream hunt, it would be in Montana mm-hmm. for elk. And and it has been. I don't know. That's just it's personal, right? For everybody of where. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but that has been something on my radar for a while. Um, yeah. That elk hunt change jar, saving up <laughs> for one day. <laughs> so yes. you did, you've gotten, so whitetail, you hunted growing up. When was your first elk hunt? Oh, first elk hunt would have been, gosh, now I'm having to think like, I know. I'm making you go back in time right now. Maybe 
2012. Okay. Somewhere around there. And uh, like the first couple of years that I've hunted elk, it was only for rifle season. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we weren't successful. It was, we had so much snow and everything and tromping through the mountains. And I mean, growing up in Northern Wisconsin, hunting is completely different than hunting out here in the mountains yeah. or on the flatlands. Completely different. Yeah. And so it's like you have to relearn um, different strategies and techniques and your spot and stalking, which is completely different from just sitting in a tree stand and waiting for a deer to come in. Yep. Um, So there's so much more you have to be aware of and just know and a lot of trial and error. (laughs) 100%. Yep. And then like... For people who haven't hunted in the mountains before, I mean, you have you're battling against your thermals, especially during archery season. Um, your there's just your weather patterns. Your elk are moving, and then depends on how much pressure, like hunting pressure, there is. Yeah, um, it's way, all different. The, yeah, it's all different, and each mountain range is a little different too on like their elk herds on what their patterns are. I uh, I was fortunate enough to go with my brother hiking in northern New Mexico up a mountain, and we snowshoed the whole way up. It was crazy, but the difference from a flat, like Middle Tennessee is very flat, and uh-huh. you're not <laughs> – the elevation is stupid. Like we're – I'm breathing the thickest, best air ever. Um and so to head west, my brother had been there forever. He's in the army. He had been over there, had hiked all these mountains, had, I mean, he's conditioned for all of that. And so he's like, do, 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 do up the mountain. And I'm like, <gasps> hold on. Um, I was dying. And of course, I didn't have a whole lot of time to acclimate. It was a three day trip. And, you know, acclimating to 13,000 feet from hardly anything is a huge difference. Um, But I've heard over and over hiking and hunting and packing and all of that, no matter how much you train, you can't train for the oxygen. It's not, not just going to the gym. There's, there's a, a, I don't know. There's just not a way to perfectly condition for that by just going to the gym. So uh, it made me feel a little bit better <laughs> that I was probably in the best shape of my life and I still almost died. Um, but at the same time, it was one of those almost like a come to Jesus. Okay. <laughs> If I'm going to prep for hunting in these mountains, if I'm going to prep for um, packing and that kind of thing, it's it's going to take a lot of patience with myself in order to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Golly. And yes, like you said, you know, even here in Tennessee, the difference between hunting private property in a stand or a blind to... I hunt public property as well, and it's more of a stock. Um, yep. And it's 100% different on how you do each one. And so 
it is a whole lot of trial and error. It's a whole lot of, okay, that did not work. I'm not going to do that again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, I can only imagine that transition from one place to another and kind of feeling that I've got to start all over again learning. Yep. It's a, it's a little learning curve, but I mean, you do your research, you, um, get out there mm-hmm. is the main thing and experience it and take it all in and learn. Don't put yourself like if you're a newbie, don't put yourself into difficult situations. Mm-hmm. Um, graduate yourself up. Yeah. Slowly graduate yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I'm still thinking about, like, I'm still sitting here thinking about elk bugling. You can't get it out of your head. You really can't. No. Oh my it's, goodness. It's very addicting. Mm-hmm. What would you say? And so when I think about lessons that I've learned along the way, I've, the biggest lessons that I've learned have come from not necessarily positive situations, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it goes both ways. I've learned great lessons from great situations, but a lot of the things that I hold true have been from mistakes or have been from somebody else's mistakes that I've been with. What would you say is a huge lesson that you have taken with you transitioning to Montana that somebody listening in would be like, okay, I'm glad (laughs) to know that. Or (laughs) that like, give us some tips of the trade that you have brought from your hunting. Um, me personally, I'm an observer. Mm -hmm. So I like to soak in what everyone says, knowledge, tips, whatever, Mm -hmm. and then kind of, see if they work for me or not. Yes. Um, so I don't know. And then it's just like trial by error. Like if you're out there and Hey, somebody said this, maybe we should give it a try. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't work, then well, maybe that doesn't work this time or, but I kind of just like to soak up knowledge. I like to be that fly on the wall. That's just always listening and then kind of proceed either like with caution mm-hmm. or, hey, this might happen, this might happen. So let's always try to think of um, different outcomes, Yeah, I guess, if you were to do this. So think the whole process through and strategize and have your backup plan. <laughs> yep, yep. Always yeah. kind of have a backup plan Yeah. Um, for things, especially... And- especially in the mountains. (laughs) Yeah. I think that a lot of women are that way. Um, I'm one of those. I like to have all of the information before I go in. And, Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean that I'm not prepared for things to change. I I'm perfectly fine with things changing or, uh, coming up against a challenge that I had not planned for. I'm not against that, but yes. I do like to have as much information as possible going into it. When I started learning how to hunt, it was um, it was kind of an info dump, right? It was how much yes. can I learn 
whether it's online or from books or uh, testimony or just talking to people, how much can I take in? How much can I learn from all of that? And then it was application. And I solo hunted the first time I went hunting and that has its own um, crazy parts to it because you, you have to take as much as you pulled in info wise and apply it then, which has a whole lot of trial and error. But like you said, I had a plan B and I had a plan C and I had thought of all of these scenarios that could happen. And what would I do if that happens? And what would I do? And so I'm a thinker. Um, I love observing. I love learning from other people. I don't like making mistakes. Um, (laughs) Makes me a very stubborn person, I guess. Uh, But. I like to have as much information of something as possible. And I think I do think that women are a lot that way. Um, You hear of women who shoot a gun for the first time and they didn't just a lot of times they didn't just show up and pull a trigger. Mm -hmm. They've done a lot of research. They've done a lot of uh, of info dumping. They've done a lot of that. And. So you see a lot of women come in and shooting for the first time and they are great marksmen. And it, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that there's confidence and knowledge. And so you're focused a whole lot more on the skill versus, okay, what would this do or where does this fit or what? Like I know all about my rifle and how it fits together. Now I just need to apply it. And so it's not doing both things at the same time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, that all makes sense to me. I get that. Exactly what you were saying. I'd love to know things before going into it. Yeah, especially like the first time I packed into the backcountry, we packed it all on our backs. And you're like, I'm going to be gone for like four days back there. And then we're planning on being like a 10 day trip, but Mm -hmm. we can come back down to the trailhead and get more food and supplies from the pickup. So you're basically packing in for four days and it's like, what do I pack? Mm -hmm. And of course, women, they get cold. I get cold. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so you're throwing all these clothes in your pack and all of a sudden soon you're full and you still have gear to put in there Mm -hmm. and more snacks and food. And you're like, oh my God, how do people do this? Yeah. Well, after the first trip, you start eliminating things (laughs) within the first couple of days. Like, oh, I shouldn't have brought this. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have brought that. And now how many years later, I finally kind of have it down to what I know I need. I've switched up different clothing um, that's warmer and lighter and packable. Mm -hmm. Um, Different food that you know you're going to eat and uh, um, use. And you kind of know the amount of snacks you eat in a day. Me, I eat like constantly. So I always have a ton of snacks. But now I kind of know roughly about how much I need instead of an overload of snacks in the pack. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a learning experience and learn by trial and error. Yeah. I think the worst thing for me is wasted space. Um, Things that you don't use, but you packed, it drives me nuts. And so um, 
I don't know. I'm one of those that if it's something I haven't done and you are my contact person, you better be ready for a whole lot of questions. (laughs) (laughs) I am not afraid to ask the questions because, um, Again, I see myself as a student uh, and constantly learning. And so I'm I'm not going to be ashamed to ask any type of question so that I am more prepared and I'm Mm -hmm. not an idiot out there that I'm going to be safe. I'm going to be warm. I'm going to be – but it's still going to be trial and error because like you said, somebody could tell me one thing that works for them and it won't work for me. So – I, I've said it over and over and over and over. My husband field dresses 100% differently than me. And when learning yeah. how to field dress, I was trying to mimic what he did because he did it so fast and so yeah. precise. Well, when I did it, I there was I, it took me forever and I couldn't figure out why <laughs> did it work for you but not for me? Well, I had to figure some things out. And once I did uh-huh. and once I figured out how I could do it, it drastically changed the amount of time that I was spending with that. And I hate wasting time. So um, it it is man hunting with anything, I guess, in life. It's trial and error for what works for you. But in hunting especially, however oh, yeah. you're hunting, it's like that. And yeah. it also, like, every state has, like, their own different – techniques or ways of hunting and it's like I come out here and it's like why are you doing that like (laughs) you that dumb or (laughs) and then you realize "Ah, I might be that dumb (laughs) okay maybe I'm dumb or I don't know (laughs) yes now you also you guys predator hunt and trap right yes tell me a little bit about that because I I have tons of of people that I follow that are interested in it, but very few that do. So give me a little bit of a a synopsis of how you got started into that and the purpose of it. Um, Well, the trapping world, I kind of also grew up into that because my brothers were kind of hardcore trappers, Mm -hmm. Um, especially my oldest brother. And we took, I don't know, they had a trapping class. I have no idea how old I was. Probably maybe nine or ten. Very cool. (laughs) And so my brother used to watch all these, um, well, VHSs, I Uh guess, not DVDs, um, on trapping. And we'd watch that. And then he'd show me how to set footholds or, you know, Kana bears or if you're trapping for beavers or fox or coyote and so we used to do a lot of that growing up um and then how to flesh out a beaver or Mm -hmm. skin different animals um I I wasn't like hardcore into it um I did help I liked going along and checking traps and if we got stuff great um but now that I live out here in Montana. I mean, coyotes are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and we've kind of evolved more into predator hunting, coyote hunting um, in the winter time because after hunting, that's kind of the next thing to hunt. Right. Um, 
And my boyfriend is a huge coyote hunter. Um, it's like one of his favorite things to hunt. He will screw up an elk hunt to go after a coyote. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You don't run into too many people like that. No, (laughs) no. And so, um, he, he has like, he, he got into thermal hunting. So at night, um, a couple years ago, and it's just like blew up from there. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of started this dust till dawn predator hunting um, thing on Facebook, Instagram. But it was more for us that, hey, ranchers, if right. you need help, because he gets so many calls from ranchers that they're getting into their calves or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we go out and um, try to control the coyote population out there. Um, he also does out here in Montana, they have coyote tournaments just about every weekend starting first of December till kind of end of January. Um, and those are huge out here. That's amazing. Um, So he does those every weekend, um, on top of night hunting as well. Mm -hmm. And then me, I try to, I've always liked calling them during the day because I can see them. Yeah. But I mean, with the thermals, the technology they have these days, you can, they're so clear. You can easily tell the difference between a coyote and a fox or a house dog. Mm -hmm. Um, You can, you can, it's like daylight when you look through the scope, you can see your cows, you can see horses, you can see trees and everything else through them. Um, So most people don't realize how the clarity of them scopes and what you can see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's more precise uh, than it used to be. Oh yeah. Right. And um, so we've kind of been getting into that more and his life revolves around um, coyote hunting. Basically once rifle season is done all the way till about February now. Here in Tennessee, you can't hunt after legal shooting light, even for coyotes. Okay. Yeah, you can trap during trap season, Uh which is a certain season, but you can't hunt after legal shooting light. And we all know that coyotes are more nocturnal than um, Mm -hmm. than during the day. So it it kind of puts a I don't know. it, It is what it is. We I know that. In West Tennessee, there's a coyote hunt that they have every year um, near my hometown. And it would be pretty yeah. cool to be a part of that. But, yeah, it it adds a different – you can hunt coyotes all year long. You don't have to have a tag. Yeah. You don't have to – it's it's nuisance hunting. But mm-hmm. it does have to be from dawn to dusk versus um, yeah. the other way around. Yep. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, I actually have never seen a coyote out hunting. Um, I have had them follow me where I've doubled back mm-hmm. on my tracks and I've yeah. on top of my boot print, there was a coyote print. So I know that they've been mm-hmm. around when I've been there um, and I've heard them at night close by. So I know that they're there. They just mm-hmm. have never come out when I could take advantage of that yet. Yeah. Yet. Um, yep. 
And like growing up in Wisconsin, I mean, if we went and called coyotes, you'd maybe, maybe be lucky to call one in like in like five stands mm-hmm. after five stands or so yeah. out here. Most of the time you can get one on your first or second stand, um, depending on, you know, if somebody's having a problem with them right. or if they've been hunting on. Yeah. Um, that- up at the ranch, uh, Chad's family ranch, north of town, we, he's gotten so many off there that now it's like, you don't even see a coyote anymore out there. Mm-hmm. Um, where before you can see a handful a day just running around. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so he's got it that much under control. So that's amazing. It's amazing how each state is different. It, yeah. I think that that's what keeps hunting exciting is that if you start and this hasn't happened for me yet, so I don't know if it ever would, but if you ever got bored hunting one thing, um, man, hunting, hunting the same thing in a different state would completely push you past any boredom at all, uh, let alone going ahead and adding in uh a different species and learning how to do that. Like mm-hmm. you were saying, going from white tail to mule deer um, or to elk. It, it just, yeah. I think that that is the best part of hunting is not just variety, not just different states, but just the ability to constantly evolve your hunting. Um, and that's, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that you could ever outgrow hunting no i don't think so either there's so many different species out there and like every state has a little bit different to offer whether it's terrain or um species or yeah i don't know yeah but you can't know everything and so Mm -mm. you have there's a lifetime of learning there that everyone can experience right. and enjoy and right um yeah it's yeah. just i don't think it would ever get old <laughs> no i think that if it did i think that's on the hunter i think that that's yeah. our responsibility to keep pushing ourselves um mm-hmm. and i think that if anybody said um just bored of it i think that there there's more to it than just that if i ever hear that there's more to it um my son said that this year. We said, hey, you ready to get out and hunt this year? And he said, no, it's just boring to me. And I went, okay, that's not true. Um, what's really going on? And it had more to do with we lost um, a dog this year that had been in our lives for almost 16 years. And he found her. And it had more to do with not being ready to see the death of something mm-hmm. um, than anything else when we really got down to it. And that's not boredom. There, there's, there was something that happened that triggered that and he needed a break. And that's perfectly fine. But I oh, think yeah. if anybody says I'm bored of it, I think that there's something else. Something else. Uh-huh. Yeah. Besides, some other deciding factor that's right making it. Look right. I just don't see how hunting, and that might just be me. I don't see how hunting is boring. Even on a slow day, there's always something that 
I can walk away with being like, well, I didn't see anything today, but dadgummit, this happened and this happened and this happened. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's constantly learning. Well, what have you got going on for this year? 2021. Oof. Um, so all the draws are coming up soon. Yes. I'll put in my normal, my normal general deer elk and antelope. Mm-hmm. Antelope, you always have to put in for a draw out here. Okay. Um, which we've been pretty successful in drawing every year, um, which is super fun and they taste so good. I have heard that. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> And um, what else? Of course, I always put in for moose, sheep, and goat. Might be once in a lifetime hunt if mm-hmm. I ever draw one. But you never know. Um, I also put in for a lot of tags out of state. Um, so I'll put in like um, Arizona is going on right now for elk. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those tags have to be in by. February 9th. Okay. Um, so I put in down there. I put in Utah's coming up. Um, Colorado's coming up. Uh, Wyoming, Nebraska, South Dakota. All um, those fun places. So, so we, my brothers and I, and we try to get my dad involved, but it's very hard since he's still guiding season is <laughs> during hunting season out here, yeah. obviously. And so he usually books up with clients, so he can't always come out. Um, so sometimes we can get him out like on a later deer hunt. Um, last, not this, two years ago, we all went to Wyoming on a mule deer hunt and he was able to come. Fun. Um, which was so fun. And then this year um, we all went, my dad couldn't make it, um, but we went to Nebraska on a deer hunt. Um which was fun learning experience. <laughs> I bet. I bet there seems yeah. to be a story with that. <laughs> so Nebraska doesn't have much public land mm-hmm. and what public land there is, it gets overrun. Mm, yeah. <laughs> there were pumpkins everywhere. Oh my and- goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Navigating like, that field. <laughs> you already see like three pickups parked here. Why would you want to, go back here and hunt but mm-hmm. no people don't care and they just go back there and oh my goodness hunt on top of each other yeah but, yeah but yeah we this year I think we we had talked about going to, and doing a Colorado elk hunt there's an over-the-counter tag um I think it's a later season I can't quite remember mm-hmm. but um, my brothers and I were talking about doing that. It's either elk deer combo or it was a deer and you could get an elk tag. Okay. I can't quite remember, but it's an over the counter tag. Yeah. Um, that we can all do. We like to do something once a year where we all go. I think that's awesome. Um, I think it's a way to bring family together, especially, especially since you guys have been doing this what your whole lives. And so this, this year was my first year to hunt with my family. Uh, Mm -hmm. They didn't start hunting until after I was grown and gone and my brothers were kind of coming up into it. So um, this year was the first year that all of us went out 
and we went on a duck hunt and it was, man, they're still talking about it. And I think that that, it has nothing to do, we got four ducks, (laughs) four ducks (laughs) flew in and we got four ducks, but it, it wasn't about bringing a big spread back. It was about your quality time. Heck yeah. 100%. And the after part and the drive out there and the, like all of that went into it and it created this experience that we walked away from and said, it's like, it's, well, remember back when only four ducks came in and it's, (laughs) it's something that we can always look back on. It's something that we can, and my brother's deploying soon. So it was, you know, just a sweet time for us to be together and share that experience. And, um, you can't, you can't replace that quality time. Um, so it was, it was something dear to my heart that I'll, I'll carry with me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's some of the best times mm-hmm. is not just like solo hunting, but being able to hunt with like family or friends. Mm-hmm. And it's more about, remember when this happened yeah. or that happened or like this year, um, rifle opener for elk and deer, we were packed up into the mountains. Um, and we got done. It was, me and Chad, my boyfriend, um, and then one of our other buddies, and we got dumped on 18 inches of snow, <laughs> 20 below, and we're up there trying to tromp around through the snow uh. looking for elk, and one of the guys got one opening day, and then uh, like the next day, I think the temperatures even dropped more, uh, Chad ended up shooting his bull that morning. And then I didn't get anything or see anything until, I don't know, that night we were going to pack out. And it was just like a miracle. Oh, my God, there's a bull. <laughs> wow. It just happened so fast. Like, they, we had packed. So they had shot their two elk. And we were, there was so much snow. We were getting stuck everywhere. And thank God we had a sled mm-hmm. to... Uh, pack some of the meat off the mountain and um we're like I'm over this cold and yada yada and I said well we'll just come back um in a couple days with the horses or something when all this snow melts and we'll we'll find a bowl for me and um so we're packing everything up and Chad goes to start the pickup well his batteries were dead oh my gosh (laughs) and then we finally had the fuel leak in his pickup that's been leaking fuel and we're like oh my god thank god our other buddy had his pickup so we tried we tried jumping it and it didn't start and then chad ended up having we had the generator with us Mm -hmm. and he did bring the battery charger so we let that sit for half a day while we were packing out chad's bowl and finally got it started and we packed up all camp and we're heading out and it was like mid afternoon Mm -hmm. and we had a long ways to go before we were off forest service. And like something just told me like, put your binos back on, put your orange back on, like put all your stuff back on. I'm like, you never know when you're going to see an elk. Very true. And, and I was like, 
I feel like I need to go for a walk. Like we need to go and walk over this ledge on our way out. And I said, can we just, let's just pull over here and let's walk over this ridge because it's kind of where they migrate out of the, the forest service down onto private. Well, I and mean, we were still on forest service, Yeah. but with the snow, it had already started pushing them out of the mountains. Mm-hmm. And we walk up over the ledge and we see tracks. So we track them and we're, we did a, a big loop and I'm just like, Oh, I was hoping we'd see something up there. You and had then that feeling, our, that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But I couldn't quite like, my gut was telling me I had that feeling, but mm-hmm. my head wasn't like, mm, yeah, I, there's nothing. But we, we were on our way out and almost back to the pickup. And then there's this bull that just walked out into this clearing. Nah. And I'm just like, oh my God, are you serious? <laughs> it was meant to be. <laughs> well, so I was like ahead of Chad and he was behind me and I try ranging him and my range finder was like froze because it was uh, like nine below zero and I don't know what the wind chills were. Yeah, And I'm like, oh my God, I can't, I can't even range him. And um, I'm like, looking back at him trying to like get him to come up closer and faster before this bull took off out of the clearing. And I'm like, I need you to range him. My range finders froze. And so he ranges him for me and I dialed in and I think he was, I was just over 300 yards. Mm-hmm. And, um, sure enough, I shoot and <laughs> that's kind of the end of the story, but, um, <laughs> Well, you never super- know, though, right? You never know. <laughs> I know. That's why, like, I knew, I knew something was going to happen. <laughs> they were all like, like, "You're crazy," and then it was almost an "I told you so." It's that woman's intuition. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know what's funny? It's like your hands just start grabbing for mm. your binos and you're putting them on, and your mind's like not even catching up, but your body's telling you you need to put these on. Get get your warm stuff back on and Mm -hmm. it's like okay there's some reason this I'm doing this (laughs) wow well I hope that I hope that you guys get all these tags like I hope that the draws come in and I really hope that you get something that you haven't gotten before just because I want to see um I want to see how you can continue growing and you can continue pushing yourself. And so it'll be exciting to to follow along and see uh, what your year holds. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm I'm hoping we go to Colorado, but I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Um, but we'll just we'll just see. Yeah. A lot of these tags we put in for are just to start building points because you can't draw a tag unless you have so many points. Right. But. Um, kind of just a long term we've been putting in so that, hey, maybe next year let's try to put in for this draw and we have a really good chance of drawing this tag with the amount of points we have. Mm-hmm. So it kind of breaks it up. Right. <clears throat> I wish that I wish that I had known that Tennessee was like that with elk. I mean, we haven't had elk for very long, so I, there's no yeah. way to build up a whole lot of points because of yeah. the amount of time that we've had them and the low amount of elk tags that are given. But, you know, the past couple of years, I, I've put in for it and I've put in for it and I've put in for it. And so you never know. 
You never, you might be that person who puts in the first time and gets it, but you won't know unless you put in for it. That's right. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Well, good luck. And um, tell everybody real quick how they can follow you. Um, so you guys can follow me. My name is Teresa Diggins um, on Instagram. It is just T Diggins. Uh, if you want to follow my photography, it's Wild Philly Photography, mm-hmm. um, either on Instagram or Facebook. Um, yeah. And, so and if you're anywhere near Billings and you need an, a massage therapist for your horse, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, I thank you so much for hanging out with me today. And um, it made my morning. I was very excited about it. And again, I can't wait to follow along and see what this year holds for you guys. Yes, it was so fun. It was fun chatting and telling stories. We'll definitely have to do it again. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) 